Hi, you're listening to a sermon from Oak Hills Church in Folsom, California. We're so glad you're listening. If you'd like more information, you can visit us online at oakhills.org or phone us at 916-983-0181. Let's pray together. Jesus, we gather in your presence today, and as Travis prayed earlier, and as many of us have thought throughout the morning, the heaviness of once again realizing the world in which we live, the condition of our nation, the tension, the friction, the stress, the violence. And we are here without answers, but with an urgent plea that you would dwell in our midst, and even on this day as we reflect on this great story that you would open our eyes to see the living Christ among us in the midst of the chaos. And we think as well of those who are with us today whose hearts are grieving because of their own loss. The trial and the stress of this week where life took a drastic turn. And we pray that your spirit would be of particular comfort to them this morning, that the truth, the reality, and the hope of you dwelling with us in the midst of everyday life in all situations would encourage them and carry them along today. So we open ourselves to the truth of your word and pray that you would bring it to us. And we ask this in Christ's name. Amen. So this is one of my favorite stories in the entire Bible, and it stirs my soul, which is the series we've been in. It stirs my soul for all kinds of reasons. But the one reason I want to reflect on today is the way in which these two friends are walking and talking and trying to make sense of a complicated and confusing set of circumstances. And the risen Jesus is present in their conversation and in their struggle. And eventually their eyes are opened to his presence and their perspective Their ideas, their opinions, and their conclusions are reframed by the reality of the risen Jesus. As you know, uh, there is tension and division and anger and fracture in our nation over practically everything these days. The political animosity and acrimony is going to increase over the next 18 months in preparation for the 2020 presidential election. So I cannot think of anything more important in our relationships with each other and our relationships with friends outside the faith on the one hand than for followers of Jesus to realize the harm caused by disembodied social interactions. Things like combative online arguments, hiding behind a phone or an iPad or a computer instead of dealing with differences face-to-face in relationship. People develop screen courage where they author this kind of harmful rhetoric and they say things in a manner and in a way they would never say if they were sitting face-to-face with a real person. People these days are obsessed with proving the opponent known as them wrong and the good guys known as us right. And on the other hand, I cannot think of anything more important in our relationships with each other and with friends outside the faith than the redemptive power of face-to-face interactions and conversations about substantial things 
that actually matter with prayerful confidence. The risen Jesus is with us in those important conversations. The story we read from Luke 24 occurs just hours after the resurrection of Jesus. These two companions, two friends, some actually believe they could have been a husband and wife. They're walking the seven miles from the city of Jerusalem to the nearby village of Emmaus where they live. And they're talking and recapping the amazing and tragic and confusing events in Jerusalem that have transpired in the previous days. It's obviously not the same as this, but it's similar to what happens in offices or coffee shops on Monday mornings when we're talking with a friend about what happened in our life over the previous weekend, recapping our kids' soccer games, talking about our day at the lake, or reliving the excruciating details of yet another 49er loss. Stuff like that is kind of what is going on. And as they walked and as they talked... The risen Jesus joined them. He had a body, but he could come and go in an instant as he pleased. And Luke tells us these two companions, and this is a great statement, were kept from recognizing him. As the three of them now walked together, Jesus asked what they were talking about. And an important conversation about some really important stuff unfolds now between the three of them. These two companions, as as was read to us, were discouraged and depressed by what had happened in Jerusalem over the previous days. They thought Jesus really was the one who was sent from God to liberate Israel, but their hope faded when he died on the cross. They are just immersed in this conversation. I'm sure you've had those where you get lost in the discussion You're just so intense in it. You're trying to figure it out, trying to sort it out. And we absolutely sort of lose the sense of what's happening around us. They're immersed in this conversation. They're struggling with the complexities of what has happened. They're trying to make sense of it all. And it all seems like a mixed message. Jesus, the conquering Messiah, but now Jesus, the dead guy. They do not recognize he's right there. In their midst, they see him, but they don't actually see him. They'd heard reports earlier in the day from some of the women who were their friends that his tomb was actually empty. But this really just added to the confusion because it seemed like nonsense. And of course, of course, it seemed like nonsense. It seems like nonsense to us as well. Dead guys don't come back. But then. Verses 28 through 32 of this soul-stirring story. I want to read these verses to you again. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going farther. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They end up eating at a table with Jesus. And when they're at this table, at some point, he took bread, he gave thanks, he broke it. And then they recognized who he was and they remembered the conversation on the road where, as they put it, their hearts burned within them as Jesus talked in this important phrase and opened up the meaning of the scriptures to them. They had sensed something about him before they actually recognized 
who he was, a kind of power present in him, something real, even though they couldn't put their finger on exactly what it was. And I think we understand the idea of a burning heart. We're calling it in these weeks, soul stirring stories, something from another world gets to us. Something from another world calls out to us. Perhaps our heart has burned while listening to a beautiful piece of music or reading a well-written paragraph. My heart burned last weekend. I was in Wisconsin holding my brother's first grandchild. I also played golf last weekend for the first time in many, many years. I played early in the morning and my heart always burns on a golf course early in the morning. The scent of a freshly mowed fairway, gentle breeze, silence, solitude. My heart burns on the course. It burned even more when I saw my final score, but that's another story. <laughs> Our hearts burn when we encounter something that breaches our defense mechanisms. It gets past them and it calls out to our longing. And I think we all have this longing. People of faith and people not of faith. It calls out to our innate longing for substance and for depth and for authentic things. There are many soul-stirring takeaways we could draw from this story, but I'm captivated by those verses that I just read. And in particular, verses 28 and 29, they read again, Jesus was going to continue down the road, but they strongly urged him to come into the house and stay with them. And this illustrates something I believe we as Christians desperately need and the Christian church desperately needs to live well as Jesus' people in today's chaotic culture. We can think of this in three aspects. The first aspect is they are discussing things that matter. Important and substantial things. Things of substance and things of depth. The death of Jesus, his now missing body, the role of the Messiah, the meaning of these scriptures. They are discussing important and substantial things. The second aspect, they are interacting with each other. Face-to-face interaction. Walking together and talking. Spending time together. Sitting around a table together and eating a meal. They are with each other, having important conversations about things that matter. What we can call embodied social interaction, being with others, interacting on things that matter. And the third aspect of this is that the risen Jesus is with them in these conversations. So what they are talking about, the content, and how they are talking about it is to be understood in the shadow of the crucifixion and in the shadow of the resurrection. These two events, the crucifixion and the resurrection, that happened in the history of the world, forever changed the history of the world. These two events then transformed the way in which the people of God, people like us, are to think about life and interact with culture and engage the world. The death and resurrection of Jesus profoundly reshaped the priorities and values 
we uphold or should uphold when we interact with others or when we respond, as an example, to the violence of senseless shootings, the crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus Christ for his followers thoroughly reframe and reshape how we interact with others in this world. My soul is stirred then by the image of Jesus with these two companions talking about things that matter, struggling with the issues, confused, trying to work it out, and he is right there with them, pointing them to the scriptures, revealing what the Bible actually means, not what they think it means. Enlarging, quite literally, enlarging the story of the scriptures so it encompasses the whole universe, not just them and their particular concerns. When they get around the table, they recognize him. And the whole confusing mess begins to find a degree of order in him and in his kingdom. It is really a beautiful story. And something of a metaphor, I think, something of an example of what we need as Christ followers and what the church needs and what the culture needs, especially, most especially, in contentious times like we are now experiencing. If someone were to ask me, and they occasionally do ask, what is the future of the church? What will it look like in years to come? both the Big C Church and local churches like Oak Hills. What will it be like in the future? I always hesitate to answer because I have no idea. And I don't pretend to have any clue about these kinds of global things. I don't have a perspective that's really worth much when it comes to those things. But if I'm continued to be pressed on it, part of my answer is one word, and the word is relationships. I don't think the future of the church is in scintillating programs to attract the attention of religious consumers. I don't think the future of the church is in great preaching or teaching, though I think both matter and hopefully one day maybe we get that here. I don't think the future of the church revolves at all around exciting and moving worship experiences, though I prefer exciting and moving ones to dull and dreary ones. I think relationships are key. I think relationships are key for us as Oak Hills Church. With God, certainly. With each other, definitely. And with our friends and others who are outside the Christian faith. Embodied interaction. Face-to-face stuff. One of the points of emphasis I've tried to make in the last five years is the non-negotiable of face-to-face conversation and relationship, especially with those who think and believe differently. Being with those who have a different political or social or religious perspective, being with them face-to-face around a table where we listen and converse and avoid the silliness of Facebook and the silliness of Twitter And all the bravado encouraged by the distance and anonymity of screens. And I know this is counterintuitive and it's against the grain of 
technological advancement, and I know this sounds old and it sounds outdated, and it probably is both of those, but I think relationships are crucial. And for relationships to be real and meaningful and transformative, they have to be face-to-face, skin-on-skin, eyeball-to-eyeball, being with, talking about things that actually matter, with an awareness, this is key, with an awareness of Jesus' real presence with us in those conversations. And with eyes and ears that see and hear what the Spirit is saying to us through the Scriptures. You see, the way we interact with each other and with those who are outside of the Christian faith, the way we navigate our differences, whatever they may be, must be shaped by the shadow of the cross and the empty tomb, transformed by the reality of a crucified Savior who has risen from the dead and is right now alive and with us and at work in the world. When ideas and opinions and viewpoints and perspectives are disembodied from actual relationships, the anger and the animosity rise. But when ideas and opinions and viewpoints and perspectives are incarnated in relationships, that is, we are together with others, listening to each other and conversing about what about important things in a room, around a table, the grace and the love rise. I've watched this happen countless times here at Oak Hills, in groups like the Journey Group, in a group like the Cultural Learning Group, where people who are different come together for one reason, believing the communion table and the kingdom of God bring them together and are more important than their particular differences and they lead by listening to each other and developing relationship even though they see things differently. I've seen this happen in small groups. One-on-one conversations between a fiery Democrat and a staunch Republican where they are together face-to-face. Why? Because Jesus is their king and he is big enough to envelop their politics. Stereotypes get replaced with the dignity of another human being who is sitting across the table and who has a story. Differences of opinion still exist. But the bigger story of God's calling to us as his people puts those differences in their place. And this very thing has happened to me countless times here in the life of Oak Hills. And the experience of being face-to-face with someone who is different, who thinks differently, who believes differently, who votes differently. The experience of being face-to-face has a unique way of converting anger and certainty into gentleness and wonder. Friction and tension and conflict and division increase when we keep each other at screen's length. And friction and tension and conflict and division decrease when we are with each other around a table. I love this little detail in our story in Luke 24. The three had been talking on the road, these two companions in Jesus. The two companions came to their street and they were going to head home for the night. And then this little detail. Luke says, 
Jesus continued on as if he were going farther. Now think about that. It's almost as if he was saying, hey, this has been great. And if we're done with the discussion, then that's fine. I'll keep going. Leave you alone. If you're good, then I'm good. But something burned in these people. Something like, this guy is real. This guy can actually help. This guy is helping to clarify some of this confusion. So I don't know if you caught this, but in the story, the words are, so they urged him strongly to come with them into their house. Come into their home. Join them for dinner and more conversation. And because they wanted him with them, everything changed. Wow. Just so simple. People together around the table and the risen Jesus present with them. So earthy. So simple. And yet so transformative. Because they wanted him. Luke says, so Jesus went to stay with them. It's a beautiful model, I think, for ministry and relationship and engagement in today's culture. In fact, relationship and engagement in today's culture and how to do it is plastered on the pages of this story. Being with others around a table and inviting Jesus to be present in that gathering with confidence, Jesus is actually there and he wants to transform and he will if we want him to. I think it's a prime way of being the church in today's contentious world. Around here in recent weeks and months, we've been talking about this concept that as moving into a smaller room, that is, if spiritual growth is desired, if relationship is desired, if connection is desired, if some kind of movement by inches in the spiritual life is desired, then we individually have to move from only showing up in this big room to showing up in a smaller room. A small group, a retreat, a cultural learning group, a journey group, whatever. So if you would take the insert out of your bulletin, they're all, they should all, uh, all your bulletins should have one. It's called Pull Up a Chair. It looks like this. And I want <clears throat> to talk about this for a few moments because this is actually a pretty important aspect of what's coming up here at Oak Hills in, in the, in the coming months. If spiritual growth is desired, if relationship is desired, if connection is desired, if movement, however small it may be, in the spiritual life is desired, if redemptive interaction about difficult but important topics is desired, then we must make the decision to pull up a chair and interact and converse with each other about things that actually matter. Confident as we do this in the transforming presence of the risen Jesus. So this is our focus this fall. So if you consider Oak Hills your church and you desire to inch a bit further in the way of Jesus, we want to invite you to pull up a chair and get in a room with a few other people to interact with things that matter, confident the transforming presence of Jesus is there and he will do his work. We've been thinking about this for several months, planning different ways that you can pull up a chair in a smaller room with other people. So if you look at this brochure... 
This is actually something that we're going to be doing throughout the fall. We're going to start this in a couple of weeks. I'm giving you a heads up on it now so you're ready for it. If you open this up, you can see there are a variety of ways, and these are only some of them, but there are a variety of ways to pull up a chair and be with others talking about things that matter. Join a class, left panel, join a group, middle panel, join a team that is a ministry or serving team, right panel. And I'm not going to read through each one of these things. And as I mentioned, there'll be more of these to come. But if you look down each of those sections, you can see a variety of things that are going to be uh, happening and beginning in the next couple of weeks that are opportunities, real simple, for each one of us who considers Oak Hills to be our church to pull up a chair and be with others talking about things that matter. So you can look those over next weekend and uh, throughout the rest of August and into September. There will be tables in the back of this room. Many of the leaders of these different opportunities will be at the back of the room. And you will have an opportunity every Sunday to go back there and sign up, put your name down and say, I want to make a move. I want to pull up a chair with some others. And these will be some of the opportunities to do that. If you look at the back panel, it's in kind of a tan color. We are going to do a series this fall. It will start on September 8th, and it's going to be called Pull Up a Chair and Let's Talk About. And each week we are going to wade into some rather significant subjects. Actually, it begins on the 1st, which is our One Service Labor Day. We're going to talk about Pull Up a Chair and Let's Talk About the Church and what it is. Pull Up a Chair and Let's Talk About Politics. Pull Up a Chair and Let's Talk About Success. Pull Up a Chair and Let's Talk About Beauty and what real beauty is. Pull up a chair and let's talk about social media and what it can do and what it can't do. Pull up a chair and let's talk about money and pull up a chair and let's talk about sexuality. We thought we'd get off to a real lighthearted start this fall, so we decided to throw this together. So you can look that over, but I want to say regarding this fall series, the church is where difficult and challenging topics should be prayed through and talked about in a gracious and loving way. The churches where controversial things dividing our nation should be reframed. Not, and I can't say this loud enough, not to draw lines and group people into the categories of good and bad or winners and losers. That's the way the world handles division and conflict and disagreement. And clearly, as we see every day, it doesn't work. The church is where different people gather together in the name of Jesus Christ and actually interact with each other about things that matter and see what the scripture says. The church then is where we learn how to interact with love and grace not anger and judgment. And most of all, we come to Jesus' table and we surrender our egos and arrogance and we confess things like how we trust politics more than we trust Jesus. The church then should be where the hard things are discussed. Not to establish who's in and who's out, but to learn together how to navigate tough things with grace And with love. A few years ago, some of you may remember, we did a series called Laying Down Stones. Well, this pull up a chair series is attempting to wade into the particular topics where people frequently have stones and they're ready to throw them 
at those on the other side of those issues I just read out of that bulletin, that handout. I think this is going to be really fun. I hope it will be helpful. There are going to be times where you're going to be very unhappy. There are going to be times where you're probably going to be mad. There are going to be times and I'm probably going to be unhappy and maybe a little bit mad. But we will learn the way of the kingdom and the way of the church in doing this. This is not a contentious, draw the line, you know, here's where we stand kind of a series. We're not doing that. This is a, how do you wade into this tough stuff? With conviction, with truth, just saturated with grace, and actually be with other people who think differently, who vote differently, who believe differently, but you do it in the love and the grace of Jesus, and we stay together in relationship, eyeball to eyeball, face to face, and we resist the temptation of keeping each other at screen's length. We will learn the way of the kingdom and the way the church witnesses to the reality of Jesus in the midst of a chaotic and divided culture. So this story in Luke 24 demonstrates powerfully the power of the table in the life of a church. Eyes are opened at the table. We see the reality of Jesus and what he was about. We see his reconciling power. We see his clarifying power. The story goes from these two guys thinking it has to do with them and the nation of Israel. And the whole thing blows open and Jesus is beginning to invite them to see this has to do with the whole universe. Eyes are opened. There's no practice more important than the Lord's Supper in shaping the soul of a congregation. Something happens at the communion table that can open our eyes to the reality of Jesus and can help us get a renewed vision of what our calling is in this community. One more thought. Since Jesus meets us at this table and things happen at the table, it is good for each of us to be alert and open to what Jesus might be up to right now in us and right here during this communion celebration. How's he stirring in the room? How's he stirring in our hearts? How's he stirring among us? And how can we respond? And as Travis mentioned earlier, we're trying to learn this together. What's it look like to linger in this communion celebration instead of just rushing through it? What's it look like to enter into this celebration instead of just receiving the elements? Might mean going to another person and having a time with them. Might mean going up to someone and praying for them. We have teams of people to pray, but nothing stops us from approaching someone and praying for them. It might mean confessing our sins. It might mean embracing someone in the room we know is grieving for one reason or another. It might mean just giving somebody a word of encouragement and there's no reason for it. We just want to do it. But if our eyes are open, Jesus may have something for us. If we give it time, if we, if you will, will walk along with him, if we will invite him into it, and invite him to speak to us. He may have something for us. And it would be fun, I think, to be a people who followed him first and analyzed it later. So our process for communion, we practice open communion. If you are a follower of Jesus, you're invited to participate. You will not be dismissed today. There will be no ushers coming to your section. We want to give you the freedom to come when you want to. 
And as we have done in the past, if you want to be served by the folks who will be up here, you can come forward. If you want to serve each other, people you came with, small group, whomever, there's a table back there, there's a table back there with uh, cups on it and with bread on it. So if you want to be served, come forward. If you want to serve one another, go back to those tables there. Again, the encouragement is to linger and to listen to the Spirit as we come to the table. I mentioned prayer teams. Two people over there, two people over there. They're there to pray for you, and our communion liturgy will be on the screens to prepare us for this time. So would you bow your heads and close your eyes as we begin our time at the table?